1: Before we start the show, I'm going to whisper some sweet nothings into your ear about studio headphones. I'm still rocking my studio tray, their wireless Bluetooth model, with 9 plus hours of active battery life and 10 days of standby life. The tray is the perfect companion for you at home or on the go. It's made out of sweatproof material since it has survived me for about 2 months now I can vouch for that and has custom wing tips that stay comfortably in your ear no matter how you're moving the combination of high polished metal and matte surfaces embodies the vision of Scandinavian design the tray also comes with a clip to keep the cord secure on your shirt if moving around and a genuine leather carrying pouch so your headphones will never get ruined in your bag again. To get your own pair of Studio Tray headphones, go to studio.com, that's S U D I O dot com, and enter the promo code Ghost Story Guys at checkout for 15% off your order. That's sudio.com, enter the promo code Ghost Story Guys for 15% off your order. Now, on with the show. Close your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to The Ghost Story Guys. Welcome to The Ghost Story Guys. I'm Brennan Storr. I'm Ian Gibbs. And this is a show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun has set, and this is most definitely one. Thank you for tuning in. This is episode number 32, and we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about but could never quite reach. How you doing, Ian? I'm doing all right, Brennan. How are you? I'm tired. I have started a new job, and it requires me to work till two and three in the morning.
2: Oh, so professional vampire.
1: Yeah, actually, it is. Yeah, no. (laughs) uh, But the pay sucks.
2: Oh. That's awful. Are
1: you becoming a dad? Is that what's happening? Don't you put that evil on me. (laughs) Don't you put that evil on me. I'm just
2: saying that was a very dad-like joke. Yeah, I know. I'm not comfortable with that. (laughs) Anyways.
1: (laughs) No, I started a gig, as you know, doing... Sort of a designated drunk driving. Yeah, yeah, drunk. Yeah, my <laughs> drunk driving gig. Yeah. <laughs> like when I went to prison. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. the time Brennan was a drunk driver. Yes, and now I'm fired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing a designated driving job, so I'm driving people around until you know two, literally two, three in the morning. I mean, I'm a late night guy. You know that. Yeah, but I'll, but I will say now that I'm doing this, working till two or three in the morning is very different than being up.
2: Yeah, because you have to be on.
1: That said, though, I feel like the the system is and the way it works is very very emblematic of the way. My life is.
2: I explain.
1: So the way it works is we work in teams. Mm-hmm. Which you're so good at. Yeah, I know. I'm a real team <laughs> player. So the idea is that one of us drives the car of the drunk person right. with the drunk person in at home. And right. then the other person follows behind.
2: Which is smart because then if the person throws up, it's their own car.
1: Exactly. <laughs> and some of the folks I work with, I've heard stories. Yes. This, this happens. Yes. Uh, but uh, the reason I think it's, it's sort of very, sums up my life very nicely is that I am the person driving behind them <laughs> so the other person the driver they have a social interaction with the person who owns a the car right. they learn to drive a new car right i drive behind them in my car drinking a slurpee and listening to podcasts
2: wow Brooding in the dark
1: so wow. <laughs> yeah it's uh, it's
2: really it's brent all over Pretty much. Yeah. Sounds like your perfect job. I, it kind of is. It, no it, human interaction, just using your phone. Get to drive. Driving at night in the dark. Yeah.
1: No, it really Sounds is. perfect. And to, actually to celebrate my, my finding my true path in life, <laughs> uh, we're doing an episode about haunted highways. We are. Our musical guest on this episode is King Dude, and I'm pretty excited about that. I'm a big fan of his stuff. He's an artist out of Seattle. I think originally uh, he's actually from the Tri-Cities area in southeastern Washington. Yeah, Kennewick, Pasco, and Richland down around there. Cool. Yeah, I, mean, I remember um, one time we went. I was down in that area. I think it was Lind, Washington, for the com- Harvest Combine Demolition Derby.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would be. Yeah, no, I was. Yeah. It was it was entertaining. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: But uh, moving on, it was exactly what it sounds like. I I already have a picture in my head. Yep. No,
2: it was. Don't even need to go. <laughs>
1: no, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> I did. I went to the 25th anniversary. Oh my! God. I still have the T-shirt.
2: I was going to ask you if you bought a 25 part. years
1: of smashes and cheers. Oh. <laughs> it says f- back <laughs> <laughs> laugh all you want smart ass i had a good time <laughs> but uh i remember it, the only paranormal thing i remember happening down there was there was one house it was abandoned uh because linda's not a very big place i want to say the population is 500 or 700 or something uh but there's one house that was abandoned and just looking at it was unpleasant it was like wow it was yeah it was like it was on fire but for your eyes yeah, i can't even explain yeah, it yeah it looked like a normal house it was empty. But it was just unpleasant to behold. Like there was mm. something happening in there. Yeah. So that's my, my sole experience in the Tri-Cities area. But then I haven't spent a lot of time down there. <laughs> Moving on. So our, yes, our musical guest on this episode is King Dude. The song is Silver Crucifix. Cool. It's from his album Songs of Flesh and Blood and the Key of Light. And you can find that at kingdude.bandcamp.com. Coming up next, we're going to be looking at Phantom Hitchhikers, Truck Stop Spirits, and other stories from along the haunted highways. We'll be right back.
0: All the world without you,
2: I don't wanna open up my eyes. There are too many ways not
0: to.
1: Welcome back. Like we said before the break, this episode is going to be all about driving, and we talked about doing haunted roads uh, specifically. And yeah. Luke found a whole whack of stuff for us. And then, as we tend to, because we like to <laughs> confound him, uh, we sort of shifted our focus at the last minute. Although it's partially his fault because he found this handful of really great stories yeah. about truckers, and so that's what we're going to be sharing. And primarily, uh, it's kind of interesting. We look at uh, the demographics. And we have a weird number of listeners from Texas.
2: Yeah. Well, it's a big state. Man, and I, I think weird
1: things happen there. Well, as we're about to find out, that is very much the case. There you go.
2: Uh, I always like Texas donuts. Did you ever have a donut day at your school or anything like that? No. Oh, see my school in Calgary in junior high. They would have donut day. And you could order a butterscotch, a chocolate, or a vanilla donut. And it was the size of your head.
1: Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah. Texas Donuts? Right. Ugh. Well, have you ever been to Voodoo Donuts down in Portland? Yes. Okay, so they they used to have, I don't know if they still do, the Texas, they called That's it. That's right. And they had the eating contest. If you yeah. could eat it in a certain amount of time, you, yeah. of time, you yeah. won, I don't know, a, a couple years off. Coronary, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Diabetes. <laughs> yeah. Any, anyways, moving on. Anyway. Yeah,
2: so- uh, no. Back to the Ian and Brennan food blog. Exactly. <laughs> One day. <laughs>
1: Well, that's how I started writing. I started mm. writing food reviews.
2: That does not shock N-
1: me. No, I know. Write about what you love. Right. But the thing <laughs> is, well, yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> thing is, though, I don't really have a very. A varied palate, you no, might you say. So, no, you don't. A lot of, I was reviewing a lot of burger joints, chicken wings, yeah. <laughs> and after a while I thought, I don't know that there's necessarily a market for this. No. no. Weird. Yeah. Moving yeah. completely away from food talk, though. Uh-huh. Uh, I know. Well, not completely. One of our stories mentions a restaurant. This saying. is true. Absolutely. Yeah. Since, since we're going to be talking about the road, and I'm now uh, permanently married to it as I work there, <laughs> what, what is the longest road trip you've ever been on?
2: Longest road trip was from St. John, New Brunswick to Winnipeg, Manitoba. So, how long did it take you to do that? Four days. Oof. Yeah, and Ontario goes on forever. But I have driven all the way across, just not all at once. Oh, okay. How long did that take you? You go full speed, (laughs) (laughs) and this is from the Maritimes, right? I'd say six and a half days to get to Vancouver. That's not bad. It's not, but it's a lot of driving. Yeah, I guess that's it, yeah. Um, Because we drove from
1: Austin, Texas to Boston. Right. I helped a friend move, and that was I think we took a week to do that.
2: Yeah, but you're weak. (laughs) But I do love road trips. Uh, Maybe not as much now that we've read some of these stories. Yeah, that's true. That's true. (laughs) But I do love road trips. This story is from Betty. Betty says, the year was
1: 1995. I was closing up my place of business, as I always did, but later than usual, maybe midnight on a cold, rainy night. I called my boyfriend, now my husband of almost 20 years, and asked if he would come to see me lock up and escort me home. Of course, he came right out. My eyes have never been great in the rain, so I was glad to have him following me. As I merged onto the highway, I quickly saw I was going to have trouble, since there were two semi-trucks coming up fast, one in each lane, traveling almost side by side. I decided to go for it, and almost immediately ended up in the middle lane between the two trucks, and they decided to mess with me. Oh no. In the rain. I tried to slow down to lose them. I tried to speed up to lose them. All the time, my boyfriend was stuck back in his vehicle behind us and could only watch. Back then, I was bad for not wearing seatbelts, so if something went wrong, I was just going to die. No ifs, ands, or buts. My car's radio had been playing the entire time, and it was during an advertisement that this happened. And While I drove between those trucks with radio blaring, in the rain, with my boyfriend worrying behind me, I heard a voice. Not an ordinary voice, not a voice I had ever known. The deepest voice I've ever heard a man speak in said, put your seatbelt on. That's it. I didn't hesitate. I reached for my seatbelt and clicked it. That was it. I know it didn't come over the radio because it surrounded me, and it was so loud and direct, you couldn't refuse it. I got home safely that night. Hmm. Days later, I mentioned the voice to an elderly lady at work, and she had heard it before. She told me that as a small child, she lived in the city and had a crib next to the upper floor window. She distinctly remembers a voice as deep as I described, simply saying... No, get back in. So She also said she did not hesitate and laid to sleep right away by that open window. Mm-hmm. Those are some bad parents.
2: Yeah, no kidding.
1: I also mentioned it to my hairdresser. She reluctantly told me a story about the time her and her son were sitting in the drive-thru line at Taco Bell when a deep voice that- <laughs> A deep voice that "Go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> go to Five Guys. <laughs> or at least Chipotle. <laughs> I do like Chipotle. Anyway. Yes. A deep voice that seemed to come from everywhere said, lock your doors. She didn't hesitate. A moment later, a man came to her window, knocked on it. In her rearview window, she saw another man behind the car. When she cracked the window, the first man asked for a cigarette, then tried to open her door. Oh, my God. Yeah. She panicked, handed a cigarette out the cracked window, and then the first man motioned to the second. And paranormal shit aside, yeah. that is terrifying. It
2: is terrifying.
1: The voicing reminds me of something. Uh, have you ever had that?
2: I didn't have a voice. I had a shove. Oh, okay. Um, I was a, probably seven or eight. Um, we were on a road trip, so this is appropriate. For once and um, <laughs> we had a little dog <clears throat> and we'd stopped at the gas station and the dog wanted to get out of course to go to the bathroom and when she jumped out of the car she ran across the main road and me being stupid right ran right after her Jesus and I got to the middle of the road and I heard a horn and I looked and there's a semi coming right at me there's no way he could stop he was so close and I felt a shove I felt two hands on my back and a shove, and I ended up face down in the grass on the other side of the road. Wow. No idea how that happened. I, I froze. I locked up. There's, I couldn't do anything. Something shoved me so hard, and uh, I got up and found the dog and picked her up and looked both ways and crossed the road <laughs> and got in the car and never told anybody. Wow. I knew something... Strange. It had you know. happened, but yeah, I yeah. I didn't know how to process that. I
1: think that would be hard to quantify as an adult. I mean, the fact that these right. people are having a difficult time making sense of just a voice. Yeah. If something were to physically put hands on you and move you. Yeah. I mean, you, you, that happened at Camosa, didn't it? Yeah. With the, the security guard.
2: Yeah, that's right. She was- She almost fell off the roof. Um, she was tipping. She was going. Right. And something grabbed the back of her coat and pulled her back on. Holy And man. she turned around to say thank you to the other security guard who was just coming up through the hole in the roof.
1: So it wasn't him. It wasn't him. Holy smokes. Nope. I've never had that happen, but I remember reading in a book, and I may have mentioned this on the show, but I, I don't know, uh, Eric Schlosser's Command and Control. It's about uh history of nuclear arms and yeah. close calls with nuclear arms, and there are way more. Uh, yeah, than, I don't think I want to read that no, book. No, I would not.
2: I mean, those poor people in Hawaii. Oh, Jesus. God,
1: yeah. But in Command and Control, Schlosser talks about all the various near misses, and again, there's an right. alarming number of them. But the reason I bring it up is the main plot of the book revolves around an explosion at a nuclear missile silo in Damascus, Iowa. Okay. And the way it worked was the this was a Titan II missile facility, and I believe it was in the early to mid-'80s. Okay. So the rocket was undergoing routine maintenance, and... At one point, one of the engineers dropped a nut or something or a wrench. Yeah. And it, they're quite heavy. Yeah, it of course. punctured the stage one fuel tank. Oh. And immediately started spraying fuel.
2: Jesus. And of
1: course, the way those things are built, the rockets aren't meant to hold, the, the, the actual shell of the rocket's not meant to hold weight. Right. They're like tires on a car. Right, pressurized. Exactly. Yeah. So once, the, the question was, once the stage one fuel tank emptied itself, the rocket would crumple. And then the the oxidizer tank would rupture mixed with the fuel, boom. So the whole book is about the U.S. government trying to solve this problem. Right. And they intersperse all these other accidents along with this. Right. But what's really interesting is eventually, uh, I can't remember the specifics, but the fuel reached such a concentration that they evacuated the facility and they had to send guys in with suits to try and see if there's anything they could do. Right. Uh, the, f- the vapor was so strong it was eating their suits. Oh Jesus! Yeah. So they they pulled it, they pulled back, and some wit up the chain thought, oh, just turn on the extractor fan. <clears throat> well, of course, yep. Spark boom. Whole facility was left. Oh my god. Massive concrete facility. Oh my god. And the reason I bring it up is because there was one guy who was on site, and he said the initial blast wave completely knocked him off his feet. Yeah. When he stood back up, he heard a voice say very clearly, very loudly, "Run." So he ran. And immediately, this enormous pillar of concrete (gasps) crashed to the ground where he'd been standing a moment before. Wow. And, I mean, his his ankle was actually punctured by a piece of rebar from it. Jesus. But he would have been squashed. He would have, yeah, yeah. And what's really interesting, just sort of throw on top of that sort of an aside, is that missile had recently been cycled from another facility. And apparently, the way they used to work is that the missiles were were constantly cycled, I I don't know, on a schedule. Yeah. But... The facility where it had previously been, there was a mysterious fire that killed something like 50 workers, oh. 40 or 50 workers. They were never able to determine the cause of that fire. Right. And in the days leading up to that fire, there are numerous documented reports, this is military documentation, yeah. reporting haunting
2: wow. in that silo. Wow. There was, in, in
1: some cases, there was things like manual
2: equipment yeah. that was working on its own. So like tied to the missile that had been brought in.
1: Yeah, that's it. Yeah, <clears throat> so wow. after the after the fire had burned up, you know, the the sort of the personnel part of the facility, yeah, they cycled the missiles, and so oh. that missile ended up in the Damascus facility, which is the one that eventually exploded. Jesus. So it could just be coincidence,
2: but uh, it's an that's interesting. Kind of weird. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Wow, that's amazing.
1: So, like we were saying, one of the the big treats for uh, for traveling is the food. Definitely, and I love truck stops. Yeah, I love or truck stop diners. Yeah, you know, I I remember there used to be one outside Hope, BC. It was a Husky House. And man, it was great. <laughs> Just uh, they had the Peterbilt burger, which is like a hot dog. Oh, on. Best it. burgers. Oh, not yeah. the worst for you. Oh, so I can eat it now. But no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. In our wild and woolly youth. <clears throat> exactly. And this next story Luke found is about a truck stop where some, uh, some folks seem to be sticking around.
2: Yeah. So it's from Brad. Nearly six years ago, I moved to Texas from Florida for work. And as I had some time before the new job started, I decided to drive the journey. I was driving a two-year-old Chevy Tahoe pickup with a horse truck, I have two horses, and a trailer-caravan combo. It was about 2 a.m., and I decided to find somewhere to pull over for a break. Just outside Paris, Texas, I finally saw a sign advertising a truck stop and 24-hour diner ahead. Once the horses were fed and watered, my dog, Jake, was walked. I headed into the truck stop for something to eat. The place was a fair size and looked clean, which is not always guaranteed with truck stops. Oh yeah. Inside, there were only a few people around. A young couple with their baby, an old man in cowboy hat and boots, two older ladies with a boy of about 12 years old, and a couple of other men who look like your stereotypical truck drivers. At this point, I should tell you I have a sensitivity to the paranormal, or whatever you want to call it, and I'm used to seeing them around a lot of the time. Sometimes it's hard to realize they're not actually living people, but you figure it out. And that night at the truck stop, there were a few around. Some barely more than a flash in the corner of my eye, others that were shadow-like and then ones that wanted to be noticed. I think I was lucky to see them that night, because it's hard for them to stay seen for very long. I think it takes a lot of energy. While waiting for my food, I watched the doorway, and it was then I noticed the first ones. A man and a woman sitting at the table next to the door. Both dressed very well in the style of the mid to late 1970s. They just sat looking at each other the way people very much in love do, like they're the only people in the world. They stuck around for a while and then were replaced in the same spot by a group of four men in motorbike leathers with helmets on the table talking loudly about music. They left and the table stayed bare. Other spirits came and went. A cook who wasn't the one in the kitchen, you could see him working. Standing at the door of the kitchen, just leaning on the frame and looking around like he was on a break. An old lady knitting in a back booth. Two teenage girls dressed like 1980s hairband fans who drank what looked like milkshakes. An old man reading a newspaper and laughing at something he read while an old woman with him looked bored and drank coffee or tea from a large cup. Apart from the obvious ghosts, I could see a number of orbs of all shapes, sizes and colors, and saw numerous flashes of fast-moving spirits, and two very tall shadow spirits. None of them bothered me though, and a couple even seemed to like that I saw them, while others tried to stay out of my line of sight, like they didn't want to be noticed. It was a brilliant sight. It had been a long time since I'd seen so many spirits in one place at one time, and I felt as though it was fate for me to be there that night. Texas has some fantastic ghosts, right friendly too. Well, I believe that. Mm -hmm. So this is another one,
1: and this one is a little more of, I guess, a cryptid encounter, you might say, which is something we don't normally do on the show. But I think because neither of us really know anything about them. No, we think it's kind of dumb. Yeah, that too. There's that. And that's 10 listeners gone. (laughs) Which, with a show this
2: small, that's a substantial number. (laughs) It's not... Okay. I don't... Here we go. I don't disbelieve them. Right. I just have no interest in it. Fair enough. I'm more about the weird shit you can feel but you can't see. But if there's some big monster ape walking around the woods, well, that's cool. He can stay there. That's it. You just, you With don't the go, bears and the grizzlies, that's cool. Don't go camping. Stay no, out of the woods. Well, yeah, there is that. Problem solved. Your right. PSA here on the Ghost Story, yeah. guys.
1: <laughs> stay out of the woods because there's ghosts and Bigfoot. Instead, have chicken wings. Have chicken wings and And don't move. No, well, though, go out and get drunk and then call us to drive your car home. Yeah, uh, there you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, Well, you, not me. Brin's, well, no, no. No. Brent's got to eat. <laughs> All right, so this story is from Tim. My friend and I were driving late one night on I-37 in southwestern Texas going towards Corpus Christi when we both decided we were too tired to go on. I pulled off into a truck stop parking lot and we both fell asleep. A little while later, we were startled awake by a loud bang on the side of the cab. We woke up immediately to find this big lizard-like creature with red glowing eyes and sharp teeth looking right back
2: at us. Not cool. No.
1: I couldn't tell you how long it stood there, but then it flew off over the cab and it was gone. I never saw it again He goes on to say No I didn't fall asleep Watching the movie Jeepers Creepers And have a bad dream And I don't care If you believe me But my friend and I Both know what we saw
2: Well and that's the thing If it's just you You can kind of More explain it away Oh I had a dream Yeah But both of you
1: No that's it And I I know some people Talk about things like Shared hysteria (laughs) Right But as far as I know We have not identified A mechanism for such a thing
2: No and I mean It could be shared hysteria If you're both talking About something And you know what I mean Like you can kind of build On to what each other Is saying But when you wake up no discussion? You see the same thing? Come on. Yeah. There's something going on.
1: Yeah. And, and I figure if, if, if there's going to be some kind of creature like that, the wilds of Texas is where you're going to find it. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is- a, another, This one freaked me out. Yeah,
2: yeah. This is this is yeah. another one from the uh, Don't Ever Sleep file. Many years ago, I was on a shift called Meet and Turn. This is where the driver that is domiciled out of the city will drive a load halfway to its destination, while the other driver that meets him halfway and brings the load where it needs to be delivered. I'd been doing runs like these for several months, and I consistently found myself getting on point an hour before the other driver. On one run, I found myself waiting in the dark, empty lot around 3 a.m., and since there was still some time to kill, I decided to close my eyes and take a short nap. About 10 minutes into my nap, I was awakened by a barking dog. I tried to ignore it, but the bark carried on for several minutes, and it grew louder and closer. At this point, it became clear. He's either trying to alert me of something, or he's just being a pain in the butt. So I sat up and looked at my window, and what I saw left me motionless. Standing there, inches on the other side of the glass, was a large man around 35 years of age, and he was barking at me. His eyes were crazy, and he was even frothing a little from his mouth. The sheer creepiness struck me, and gently, without making any sudden movements, I reached down, started my truck, and slowly started pulling away. Jeez, I wouldn't do it slowly. <laughs> As I was doing so, he was chasing after me, much like you would expect an angry dog and still barking as I kept pulling away. Oof. Needless to say, I don't take naps on the job anymore. No kidding. And you know what? This freaks me out more than anything paranormal. Oh, sure. I don't know why I feel terrible saying it, but people with like severe mental illness freak me out.
1: Well, it's 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 because I, I feel like you're dealing with something that you can't understand. Right. It's the unpredictability. One time on that road trip I talked about from Austin yeah, to Boston, yeah. One of the thing, one of the places we checked out, because we had time before his place in Boston would be available, was Taunton State Hospital right in, I believe, Taunton, Massachusetts. And that is a combination of pr- overflow prison and insane asylum.
2: Oh, Jesus.
0: Yeah, I know,
1: right? Oh, we lock them both up. What's the difference? The perfect storm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's also said to be very, very haunted. Right. So obviously, because it's still very much in use, you yeah. can't really explore it. But we pulled into the parking lot and just kind of walked to the grounds. But- there were patients there, and oh. they were gibbering, and they were just they, i mean they, they were being watched, but they were wandering around, and they were in their their you know their outfits, and they were yeah gibbering and making noises and, wow. and, and again, they can't help it i'm not no, I'm, I'm no, not no, stigmatizing no. No. uh mental illness i you know you and I both have our share, but it was genuinely unnerving to try yeah. and try and deal with that,
2: yeah, because we, you can't you, there's nowhere to put it that's it yeah and and it's fear because those people are probably at one time were just as quote unquote normal. That's true. As anybody else. Yep. Yeah. And now they're in this situation, and that's terrifying.
1: Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I was still not very tuned into the paranormal at that point. Yeah. So Taunton, I felt a, kind of a discomfort and a heaviness, but far more pressing was the uncertainty of oh, what to no. do with those
2: poor folks. That's not good. No, no, no. Not good at all.
1: That was the same trip where we stayed in the Lizzie Borden house, which I've, I've talked about yeah. here. It was. Uh, yeah. I would not do that now.
2: No way. No. See, and I don't go looking for that shit. I got invited to go... Um, on, a, on an adventure and they were renting the whole hotel. Right. And I was like, nope. Really? Uh, no. I went to Ma Miller's with the same group and it was great. We, we just dropped someone off there the other night. There you go. Mm. So I went I went to Ma Miller's um, after closing and we were there till about 3 a.m. And I've talked about this before. And that's great because I got to leave right, and go home and on my way home make sure nothing had followed me. Right. But sleeping... In the Haunted Hotel? Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> no way.
1: No well, way. I remember checking into the, uh, and I, again, I may have mentioned, this, this is a problem. Yeah. Doing the show now, we've, this there's a 30-second episode. I don't remember which stories I've told and which I haven't. Right. Anyways, so this would be about eight years ago now. I moved into, uh, for a night, the Copper King Mansion. Okay. Uh, which is a bed and breakfast in Butte, Montana. Right. And the first night in town I'd stayed in some, I think it was a Holiday Inn Express on the highway. Right. And then I moved into the Copper King
2: Pretty much the same thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm not going to get into the whole story of the Copper King, but I was the only person staying there. Right. And this is the owners stayed in the servants' quarters, which is technically a separate, completely separate part of the house. Right. So I had this enormous mansion to myself. We're talking huge, ornate mirrors that weigh hundreds of pounds hanging on the wall. No. These really uh, intricate, ornate moldings, just huge doors. <laughs> be heading
2: back to the Holiday next. Oh, man.
1: <laughs> I finally fell asleep at one point. And I woke up around 4 a.m. I couldn't figure out why. Couldn't figure out what was going on. Because bear in mind, 2010, I had no awareness.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatsoever. Yeah.
1: But I could not get to sleep. And I woke up, and there was light pouring through the transom above my door uh, from the hallway. And I thought, okay, forget this. I'm just going. And I I was headed somewhere else that day, so I just packed up early and took off. Yeah. Uh, But a couple days later, I ended up in Baker City, Oregon. And there was the Penny Saver Motel by the highway. And then there was the Geyser Hotel in downtown. And I thought, oh, I, I, I do prefer older hotels it's, yeah. it's cooler Yeah,
2: it is cool, I like them
1: So I pulled up to the geyser in, in downtown And this voice in my head And this is the very beginning of me yeah. listening to that Said, do you really want to have to deal with U- with what you dealt with in the last place? And I thought, maybe not So I stayed at the Penny Saver And then about three years later I was looking at Groupon And they mentioned the geyser hotel ghost tour <gasps> Really? Content. And then I looked up Copper King Haunted. Yeah. And the people who ran it obviously w- didn't mention anything because they were very Christian.
2: Oh, yeah. So they yeah. never brought it up. And I had that experience in a hotel. Um, I had to go up island to uh, speak at a church when I worked for the church. Right. And uh, I had my family with me. So they put us in basically the bridal suite because there's no one else in the hotel. Right. And uh, it had two bedrooms and it had a living room and a kitchen. So you kind of had this great big room. You went through a doorway and there was a bedroom, bathroom, bedroom. Right. Mm. And uh, we all kind of went down to go to sleep, and I could not sleep. And as I lay there trying to go to sleep and letting myself drift, um, it was really clear to me that something was seriously pissed I was there. Right. Wasn't bothering my son wasn't bothering Margaret at all. It was absolutely focused on me. Hmm. So I got up and went and climbed into the bed of Jansen because, you know, it's like two size beds. So I thought, oh, I'll go in there and it'll leave me alone. Nope. Quality. And I went in the living room really bad in there, really oh, bad. So I ended up going back into the other bedroom and I just lay there um, not doing well at all. And then around 3 o'clock in the morning, um, uh, Margaret woke up and she's like, so... There's something wrong in this room. Wow, even you yeah, felt it. Yeah, and I'm like, yes, there is. And it is not happy that I'm here and it was definitely focused on me. So <clears throat> my my when I was sort of reaching out to it a little bit, not too much. Um it was a woman and and something happened to her in that room. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it wasn't good. And it was a long time ago too. It wasn't um you know, the last 10, 20 years. This is right. like 40 or 50 years ago. Um but I left and I was like, not doing that again, so that feeling of just not being able to sleep. And I can't imagine being in a giant empty building like
1: oh, was the copper, can. dear god, oh, yeah, no. I mean,
2: if you're in Butte, definitely take the tour,
1: yeah, if, if it's still open. I mean, again, this is eight years ago, yeah, very cool old house, a lot of antiques. They spent a lot of time furnishing it, yeah, but uh, uh, I mean, hell, you might want to stay there if you're into that kind of thing, I guess. But I don't, I, I generally don't make a point of staying in. I actually want to sleep, yeah, that's it. All right, so getting back on the road, there's this uh, really great story. We're going to go from Texas over to Arkansas, and
2: this is a story- I always thought it was Arkansas. I think I did too when I was a kid. I I, I could not figure out why um, there was Kansas and Arkansas, and no one ever talked about Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> all I've ever seen of Arkansas is
1: the interstate. I've driven all the way across. Okay, like yeah. I've driven okay, from, yeah. from west to east on the interstate. I don't know anything about it. Yeah, no, same here. I got off the interstate once to gas up. It was really humid. Yeah, uh, the end.
2: Yeah, I know
1: it's terrible. Uh, so this story comes from Karen. Karen says my adopted mother was a long haul trucker for more than twenty years. One time it was around nine thirty p.m. on a road in Arkansas when a herd of deer ran out in the middle of the road. Traffic went from seventy miles an hour to brakes right away. There were two other eighteen wheelers in front of her and three cars in front of them, so you can imagine how it went. The eighteen wheelers had to stop so quickly that they jackknifed and cleared everything in their path, including the cab of the truck. It was a mess. Mm. There was wreckage and pulverized deer all over the road. Luckily, my mom had been following far enough back she had time to stop. Mm. As she pulled off the median, she noticed a man standing six feet from her trailer, and she couldn't figure out how he had gotten close to her trailer so fast without her seeing him. She said he had one hand across his chest and one hand in his pocket, and he just stood there looking confused. When police arrived, one of them questioned my mother. And as she told the story, she said, someone needs to check this guy out back by my trailer. He looks really confused and he might wander off into traffic. The officers couldn't see or find the man. So my mother gave him a detailed description down to the shoes he was wearing and the amount of facial hair he had. He walked away for a minute. And when he came back, he said, the man you described is the owner of that wrecked 18 wheeler. And he was found dead at the scene. She was in shock as a cop just turned around and walked the other way. Hmm. After she left, she stopped at a truck stop and on the news was the wreck she just witnessed. There were four fatalities that night. And the man she saw next to her truck was confirmed to have died in the accident.
2: Wow. Yeah, I, that's not the first time I've heard that kind of thing.
1: No, and I wonder, too, I wonder, because the fact that the cop just said, yeah, turned around. Yeah, And I wonder how often they hear stories yeah, like this.
2: exactly. I mean,
1: there was a book, and I can't remember what it's called, but there's a book about these kind of stories from cops. Right. I haven't read it, but I'd like to pick it up, because I'm curious to know, what they have seen. Yeah, I mean, I know we have some some listeners who are police, and yeah. uh, if you would like to share your stories, let us know. I'm, yeah, I'm absolutely. We will make it completely anonymous. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, we would, l- and we, even if you don't want us to share it on the show, yeah, I would just love to know if you've encountered anything like this.
2: Yeah, there's a there's a few stories like that. There was one where a woman had died in the house, and she'd been dead for months, and um, one of her relatives was reporting um, the number from her house calling repeatedly oh really and so they call and they were in another state and they called the police and said can you please go and check on her because she keeps calling but there's no one there when we pick up the phone and they got there and it was very obvious the woman had died at least two or three months oh, before man. but the calls are still coming Wow from the house even afterwards so yeah who knows there was one
1: story I heard from a fella he was an officer in Surrey right and he had gotten a call From a woman who was just frantic So he responded, uh, she was living in an apartment building She was standing outside Clutching her baby, just terrified And I guess what had happened is She put her baby to bed in the crib Got up, went to go do something Came back in to check on her And the rug that was Spanned the whole length of the room It was a throw rug, but it was a huge throw rug The, the The crib sat on it Was rolled up against the far wall Whoa! It had just been underneath the crib What? Yeah so she grabbed the baby and bolted. Right. Panicked. And cop went in and obviously he found no sign of intrusion. Yeah. Nothing had been taken. Uh, she stayed. She ended up staying in a motel that night. Wow. But yeah, no idea what the hell happened.
2: Huh. So, wow.
1: and I guess, again, you're uh, actually on Shannon show, Into the Fray, there was a really great episode where a guy who asked not to be named, he was a former police officer from somewhere in a desert state. He wouldn't even name the state. Wow. He said, uh, he told a story about responding to a call of a break-in. And when he got there, uh, basically he was attacked by a shadow creature.
2: <gasps> really? Yeah. Holy cow. And the
1: story goes from there. I mean, the guy could have been bullshitting. But I, I heard this one. This would have been when I was in Edmonton last year. So sometime May last year I heard Okay, this. okay. Great story.
2: Cool. And uh, so, again, just makes me wonder what law enforcement yeah. is seeing out no, there. No, they do. Um, I know one from a cop who I work with. And uh, he got called to a house. And they said there was someone upstairs because the radio kept playing. So it was two teenage girls home by themselves right so that he put the girls in the car lock kind of you know locked them in there and then he went upstairs to see and it was silent and he's checking all the bedrooms and then as he's checking the bedrooms the radio comes on in one of the bedrooms and he goes in to see who turned it on the girls had already unplugged it oh man and it was playing music and he just turned on his heel and he left yeah i would too yeah and he said to the girls you know there's nothing up there but like music's playing, so yeah, <laughs> enjoy your night. <laughs> but he said that was the creepiest, and he didn't believe in any of that kind of thing until he saw that himself. Wow, yeah,
1: well, come to think of it, that just happened to some friends of mine.
2: Really, yeah, they had an alarm go off
1: in the house, there's no batteries in it. Wow, it's not plugged in. and back to the road. This yeah. one, uh, again in Texas, I was trucking on a run through East Central Texas, heading back to Louisiana in the middle of the night. While driving up a hill on a smaller state highway, my truck started acting funny. It was slowing down as I approached the top of the hill, and I couldn't make it go any faster. There were old wood frame houses on the sides of the road, but it looked like everyone was in bed for the night. The wind was blowing leaves across the road in front of me, and something about that didn't look right to me. I started to be more than a little freaked out, but kept as calm as I could. Just as I reached the top, my truck almost stopped completely, and I heard the passenger door latch, which I keep locked click like someone had opened the door. Oh, my God. The door swung open for a few seconds and then shut. After this, the engine smoothed out and I started to pick up speed. I kept going until I got to the next truck stop and got some coffee in myself to try and get my brain working again.
2: So did something get in or
1: did something get out?
2: Right? Neither answer is good. No, because, I mean, it it sounds like it was slowing the truck down so it could get in. Yeah.
1: I've heard stories of uh, the Malahat which yeah. is the highway north of where we are. And people look, turning and looking, and there's someone in their car. Yeah, in the for, back seat. Yeah, for yeah. brief periods. Yeah. What a horrifying yeah. thing. Even if they're even if they're completely benign. Yeah. Just the fact that there's someone now in your space and you yeah. can do nothing about it because well, you're hurtling along the highway.
2: Well, a lot of people have died up there, so. Oh, of course, yeah. Wouldn't shock me. Sook Road's the same way.
1: And speaking of
2: uh, things opening and closing on their own, this next story has uh, a little <laughs> bit of that too. I used to drive between San Francisco and Cheyenne, Wyoming. A lot of the times, it's about 16 to 20 hours of driving, depending on the weather. My second time driving that route, I was driving at about 2 a.m. when suddenly my truck starts to make this odd grinding sound, like I'd run over something and it got stuck. I pulled up to a well-lit rest stop and wake my buddy up who'd been sleeping the whole time. As we got out of the truck, I explained what I'd heard, but was interrupted by what sounded like a kid crying. We were totally alone at that rest stop, but at the same time, we'd heard stories about child trafficking and kidnapping, so we decided to check it out. The noise seemed to be coming from the bathroom, so we grabbed our flashlights and made our way towards them. As we got closer, we realized it was coming from the woman's bathroom, a low, dull sobbing, and we prepared for the worst. We walked in, expecting to see someone brutally beaten or worse, but it was completely empty. We could still hear the crying, but there was no one anywhere. We called out checked each stall, and even looked exactly where the noise was coming from. Nothing. We couldn't figure out if we were being pranked or not. Maybe there was a hidden camera or a speaker. It seemed like a long shot, but who knows? The noise kept going until my buddy opened a small window, and then it stopped dead. We waited for a few seconds because we weren't sure what that implied. Then the window slammed shut on its own, and the crying started again. We were out of that bathroom in seconds, and as we ran towards the truck, you could still hear the crying. The grinding noise was still there, but we ignored it until we got to another rest stop miles down the road. Underneath my truck, we found a piece of red and silver metal, which I took to a mechanic friend of mine a few days later. He said it was part of a kid's bicycle. I don't know if this is somehow related to our experience, but it was one of those moments for me that I will never forget. Is that what they told their wives they are doing at the rest of the time?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Is that,
2: uh, is that a handy excuse? I don't know. There were ghosts, baby. <laughs> but that would be... Okay, first of all, if I heard the crying, I'd like push the door open with my foot and go, hey, anybody in there? And if no one answered, I'm out. Yeah, that's true. Like, I mean, I would check it out because, yeah, I agree with them. It could be a kid in trouble. But if you open the door and you're like, hey, are you okay in there? And you get no response. Time to go Yeah And the the time With the bike piece For me I don't
1: think The part of the kid's bicycle Is related to what they heard In that you know Like a kid died And therefore I think if the, if we're going to Take any kind of uh, Sort of Or assume any kind of connection yeah. I think it's that That is the, That was there so they would slow down right. and have that ex- and be there for that.
2: Oh, I see. Yeah, like yeah, they, yeah. That
1: just happened to be the thing that caused it to happen. Right. You know, right. I don't think it was necessarily... Tied in like a haunted piece of metal.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get it.
1: So this next story happened to Jim. Jim says, this happened on I-81 off exit 98 near Dublin, Virginia. It was around 3.30 in the morning and I couldn't keep my eyes open anymore. So I decided to pull in for the night. There's a fast food joint in the area, so I pulled into their empty lot, released my brakes, and stumbled back into the sleeper for the night. As soon as I lay down, I hear a banging on the door, and I was pissed. My first thought was cops telling me to move along because this was private property. So I got up, opened the curtain, and there's no one there. It's dead quiet. Then I hear knocking on the top sleeper windows, which are pretty damn high, maybe 10 feet off the ground. Oh, no. On the left side of the truck is a slow and steady knock, and on the right, it's more fast-paced. Oh, my God. But I'm so tired, I can't do anything about it and i fall asleep mm. that night i had the worst dreams and all night couldn't shake the feeling that someone was watching me
2: because someone was someone was 100 percent watching god you. i can't believe he stayed uh, in a mobile thing like i mean if you're in a house and you would have to like leave the house to get to your car i get it you kind of hunker down and hope for the best you're in a freaking truck just like shift three feet and get in the driver's <laughs> seat and get out of there oh my god that would wake me up if nothing else but then I was thinking about that, and it does kind of remind me of, uh, this is another episode of
1: Into the Fray, where, I can't remember who it was, but he this guy was walking through the woods. For whatever reason, he was walking through this one stretch of forest, and he started feeling so tired. Oh. And he just had this strange thought, like, I'm going to lie down next to that tree. Right. Just couldn't, f- and, and he said he really fought fought against it, kept walking. Like one of those face stories. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Like something wanted to suck him into... Yeah. Doing yeah. this. Yeah. I, I mean, I, a friend of mine had a similar story, but he was drunk. He almost <laughs> fell asleep in a snowbank. Uh, but that, that's a whole other thing. So uh, moving on, we've got w- two more stories for you. Yep. Before we do that, though, we have to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. <sighs> yes, we do. Me again, here to talk to you about Studio headphones. When Studio first approached us about doing an ad, I was nervous because obviously I don't want to sell you something if I don't like it. But thankfully... I do. And so I'm comfortable saying that Studio wants to revolutionize the way people see headphones, not just as a tech device, but also as an accessory. They feel that the headphone market right now offers you one of two things: style or tech. Fashionable headphones tend to lack the proper sound quality and high-tech variations are bulky and not design oriented. Studio wants to bridge that gap. To get your own pair of studio headphones, go to studio.com that's sudio.com. And enter the promo code Guys at checkout for 15% off your order. That's Sudio.com, S-U-D-I-O.com, and enter the promo code Guys at checkout. And we're back. All right, so we have two more stories for you. The first one is from
2: Randy. Take it away. This happened to my mother and has become one of those stories that stays in the family to be trotted out from time to time. This occurred before my birth when my mother was left on her own with two little girls to support. She worked as a waitress. How or where she met Bill, I don't know. He was a truck driver, and the restaurant where she was working was in downtown Philadelphia, so you wouldn't think they'd run into each other, but they did. They fell in love, and they planned a life together. Bill was a long-distance trucker, and he and my mom decided to move to Florida, but before they could go, he had to finish at the end of his contract with one company. Well, he'd given my mother the number to a truck stop somewhere in western North Carolina, one where he usually paused after crossing the Smokies from Tennessee and she would check in on him there when he arrived. The night before he was due to arrive there, Mom had a dream of a place she'd never been and would never see in her lifetime. It was a mountainous area, and she saw a rig coming over from the other side. Something went very wrong, and it overturned, rolling three times. Mom was never one to put much stock in anything that smacked of the psychic, but she mentioned it to her mother before she left for work at the restaurant. Around noon, she called the truck stop. She'd done this often enough in the past that the men who worked there knew who she was. In true Southern style, they always called her Miss Dolly. Her name was Dolores. Well, she placed the call and asked if Bill had come in yet, and she was greeted with silence. Then the man who'd taken the call said, hold on a minute, Miss Dolly. I'll go get Zip, the owner, right away. I think Mom knew what was coming. When Zip got on the line, he told her there'd been an accident bill had fallen asleep as he was crossing into North Carolina from Tennessee the rig had rolled three times Mum went mum went on with her life of course though I don't think she ever really forgot Bill I know she never forgot the dream that had been sadly all too true yikes mm-hmm.
1: I've had precognitive dreams before but never uh, never that dramatic no nothing no nothing like that no I know my cousin uh, a long time ago used to have or not a long time ago when we went down to the um, to Egypt together back in 08 yeah. he used to have a dream about us dying in the red sea oh jeez and then while we were there a bus going from Hergata on the red sea carrying a bunch of canadian tourists crashed and a number of them died wow yeah so i mean it could be a coincidence yeah or just uh sort it's of really f-
2: specific though
1: it is very specific yeah because yeah. wow. we, we were going to go to Hergata, that was part of the plan and it was just it didn't come together wow so who knows wow that's cool all right, so we got one last story, and this one actually comes from South Africa, and I I included this one just because you so rarely do you hear about when you say I know when everyone thinks road trips, or at least when I think road trips, I think America. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was really interesting for me to hear stories about uh, truckers in South Africa. So this is from I think it's Arno. It looks like Arnox, but I think it's Arno. <laughs> I come from a family that experiences a lot. It's a very interesting life, which while growing up I thought was normal. Then I realized my friends don't have so much activity occurring in their households. I don't know if I envy them that or not. (laughs) This is about my uncle's experience. Unfortunately, I don't have many details, but it's an interesting encounter nonetheless. It has happened twice in his life. Both times he would have died if not for the man in the trench coat. My uncle is based in Durban, South Africa. When he was a young man, he used to be a trucker. The first encounter happened when he was coming back to Durban from the Eastern Cape. That road is rough with long drops down. So you have to be careful and take it easy along the curves. My uncle was on a narrow stretch of two lane when something caught his eye in the sky. Up in the clouds was a man dressed in a long brown trench coat, walking from east to west. They stared at each other for a couple seconds, but the man showed no emotion and continued on his way. Thinking it was his imagination, my uncle continued driving, but he was going at such a high speed he forgot about a sharp bend up ahead and almost drove off the cliff. He ended up running into a tree growing out of the embankment just below the road, and that saved his life, even though he doesn't know how the tree could have possibly stopped him given how small it was. As far as my uncle was concerned he should have been dead he didn't think about the man in the clouds again until 2001. it was in the afternoon and he was driving home from his office when again he noticed a man wearing a trench coat walking in the clouds the man looked down at him and he realized it was the same one he had seen years ago when he was still a truck driver the man was again walking from east to west this time he disappeared and my uncle carried on driving what happened next is still a mystery to him the axle from his hind wheels broke and the vehicle spun out of control colliding with another car. My uncle was almost killed on impact. The insurance people later could not determine how the axle had broken and concluded it must have been a factory defect. My uncle drifted in and out of consciousness for a long time mumbling about the man in the sky. We all thought he was delusional but then once he recovered he told us the full story and that he thought the man must be his guardian angel because of both accidents he feels like he should have died.
2: Guardian Angel? Or? Well, that's
1: it. I'm, this is more like Supernatural Dick. Yeah. <laughs> because, I don't know, I feel like it, both times this thing has distracted you. Yeah. And shortly thereafter, something awful has happened. Yeah, yeah. I just don't know about that. Soul Reaper, perhaps? Or? Yeah, well, it kind of <laughs> sounds like that. It sounds pretty weird. I wonder if there's any significance to the direction, east to west. So yeah, I, that's I, a good question. I mean, I know in culture we kind of have this idea that going west means to die.
2: Yeah. I know that the west... For most countries, West Ireland, western part of Canada, western part of the United States. Usually that's where people seem to be more spiritual, and that's just something I've noticed. I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe people are just more open. Maybe there's a different energy. I don't know what it is.
1: No, that's that's a good point. Yeah. Well, if you have any ideas about why things in the West are the way they are, or if you have any Stories similar to these, stories from road trips, yeah. we would love to hear from you. Absolutely. Send us an email at ghoststoryguys
2: at gmail.com or via the Facebook page. And we're probably going to be doing another one about road trips because of all the stories we have already. Oh, so yeah. there's it'd be great it, to throw in some listener ones.
1: There's tons of haunted roads and, and highways Yeah, and things that we just didn't get to. Yeah. So uh, again, we're going we're to hope we to get to another one of those in the future. All right. So we are going to pack it in for now as far as haunted road trips and haunted highways. Yep. But we will be back in a moment with some listener mail.
0: Seem to summon up the will to recall how to administer a sign. Cyanide- Pires in this world No silver crucifix could fix this old world without you.
2: Welcome back. Thanks again to Luke Greensmith, our researcher, for coming up with all those great stories. We really appreciate that. And uh, and now we're going to do some listener mail because, as you know, we love to hear from listeners.
1: Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24
2: hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs.
1: We're ready to believe you. So the first one is from Tori, uh, who, of course, is the publicist from Touchwood who published yep. your book. Yep. And uh, she says, thanks for the shout-out Ian. Love it. Uh, none for you, Brennan. Hurtful. Yeah. Hurtful. Mm-hmm. Accurate. I thought we had something, Tori, but no. (laughs) She says she's also been to that hotel in Powell River, which is something we discussed on a previous episode. Yeah. So uh, thank you, Tori, I guess. That's fine. (laughs) No, don't worry about it. I'll be okay.
2: Huh. (laughs) Your soul will stop bleeding at some point.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, Next up is an email from Lindsay Which we haven't responded to yet But we will It it sort of got lost in the shuffle Uh, Lindsay says that we had mentioned In one of our episodes A theory about the Galloping Goose Trail Which is here in Victoria Yeah And was historically an old rail uh, Pardon me Historically an old railroad Sort of energy pass-through zone Yeah And the previous experiences That uh, Ian has had in a home With visiting energy And she actually has a story of her own uh, About that place And we're going to save that For a listener story Uh, But it's really fascinating and just makes us wonder, again, more about that part of town and and exactly what it is that makes these things happen. Mm -hmm. I spent a whole lot of time there driving last night. (laughs) Not crazy about it, (laughs) let me tell you. A lot of drunk people out that way. We had an email from Daniel who wanted to say he enjoyed the show. Thank you so much, Daniel. Yeah, absolutely. And he also had a story to share. He said he wasn't sure if it was podcast worthy, but it is. Everything's podcast worthy, absolutely, as, as we're proving. I <laughs> know uh, it really was, though, Daniel. Thank you so much, and we are going to share that for our next listener stories episode. Awesome. And we also had uh, an email from Hannah, which uh, again we are going to respond to. We were. It's been a it's been a weird couple weeks. Yeah, but it's getting better. Yeah, so we will get more on top of this. Uh, but she also says that um, I thought I would finish this with an interesting work story. As you may know, I work for the ambulance service answering 999 calls. I actually, I didn't know that. No. Uh, we recently got a request from police to attend to support them. They had a call from someone who could hear a female screaming, but no one could access the house. Not unusual for us to be called. that people just shouting for help. Normally, it's an older person who has fallen. The police attended the property, broke the door in, and the house fell silent. And it was completely empty. Wow. So that, that talk about timing. Yeah. We were just saying that. Police stories. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So thank you, Hannah. And again, we're going to share your stories on the listener episode, and uh, we will respond to you. Yeah. Uh, we also had an email from Teresa from the Peculiar Mayhem podcast. She had uh, a couple stories for us, and she wanted to know if she could send us a little Peculiar Mayhem swag. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, Teresa, you absolutely can. We're going <laughs> to get back to you with an address uh, ASAP. Yep. We also had an email from Patricia from East Tennessee. And she had a couple really great stories. Uh, so, again, we're going to be sharing those on a future episode. And thank you, Patricia. I think that might be our first email from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rin wrote in, who had her own story. Rin is a regular listener to my radio show, Largely the Truth. Right. And she's always uh, always willing to chat when I'm on the air, which is nice. nice. It makes it feel not quite so lonely yeah. up there. <laughs> and she shared a story. And, again, that will be shared in future. So thank you very much, Rin. We had an update from Terry, whose story we shared on a past episode uh, it was a, something that's happening in the suite she's currently renting, or rather above the suite she's currently renting from friends, and she was saying that, that has continued to develop, and they're hoping to move out by the beginning of May or first week of May, and uh, she's hoping that then she'll be able to have a conversation with her friend about it because it seems like the friend doesn't really want to deal with it right now.
2: Well, and that's the thing. Like, you have to if you acknowledge it, you have to deal with it. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true enough. Right?
1: Yeah. So Terry, uh, again, keep us updated, and we're going to share the updated story on. Uh, I sound like a broken record on the next <laughs> listener stories episode. It better be soon, then. Yes, I They're... know. Uh, we had a couple messages from Melanie, and uh, Melanie actually. Uh, had something, a point that I, I was not aware of. She uh, Previously, we talked about uh, prisons as money-making schemes.
2: Yeah, that's right.
1: And she said that prisons are also popular with politicians because the inmates count as part of the census, even though they can't vote.
2: I did not know that either.
1: No, I didn't know that I either. Know. So that they get more money allotted to them because of the inflated population, which yep. is incredible. Again, that's I pretty it. sick. Yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. not great. And uh, she also said, uh, one other potential explanation for apparitions, aside from previous homeowners or someone who died nearby, is a visitation from a spirit guide of some sort. And she says that's a little Sylvia Brown, but it's not much less plausible than the Northbound <laughs> Ghost. Uh, I've seen a Sylvia Brown live show, Melanie. That's nowhere near as crass as Sylvia Brown. I mean, really? If she's passed now, I don't want—I'm not going to speak too badly of her. But when she came to town here, Nick and I went to go check it out just for yeah, laughs. Yeah. Oh man, she did not give a rat's ass. Just throwing stuff out there.
2: Really. She was
1: just saying stuff. Oh, we had a message from Dan, who is. Uh, turns out that uh, Luke had contacted his brother. About a haunt, uh, haunting in his house in Detroit Oh okay And uh, so Dan got a hold of us Because um, he, he's actually apparently Still in southeast Michigan And uh, we are That's a little bit of a spoiler Our next episode is going to be About haunting in Detroit Nice So we're going to be I'm looking forward to that The motor city Exactly So thanks for writing in Dan I hope that uh, I hope we can do Detroit justice for you Yeah We had an email from Wendy Who shared a pretty sweet meme with us So thank you Wendy We do like those We can put them on the Facebook page And uh, really helps us just Kill time at work <laughs> And finally, we had an email from April who had just finished listening to episode 23 and she heard the noise. And the noise was not the one we talked about most recently. It was one that kind of sounded like breathing. And she said that um, she thought it sounded almost like a cross between a soft, low growl and a purr, like the sound you may hear a wild, big cat make. Hmm. Yeah. So, again, if anyone else has any thoughts, if you're a new listener, you want to go back to 23 and listen to the noise it's in the C segment (laughs) right at the end. Let us know what you think. Uh, we, again, we'd love to know. Mm-hmm. That's it for listening to Mail. Thank you so much, everyone, for writing in. And, yeah, if you want to get a hold of us, ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. Send us your stories. Send us your thoughts. We're on Facebook at ghoststoryguys. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at the truth. Ian doesn't really do social media nah, aside from the Facebook page. Facebook stuff. Yeah, yeah Ian does Facebook. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to get a hold of us on there, you can. You can friend us on Facebook if you like. Yep. We don't post much publicly, but feel free. Uh, and if you do send me a friend request, it helps if you send me a separate message letting me know it's from the show. My Facebook is pretty locked down, but I still don't want to be accepting requests from random strangers if I'm not sure they're listeners. Yeah. The previous episode was called, uh, let me tell you about the time I almost died. And in the social media, I posted that if anyone could name the film that quote was from, they you get two free stickers and Rachel from Hexagram guessed it immediately. (laughs) The second I posted it and that quote was from the 1998 horror film Fallen. Starring Denzel Washington There you go And uh, absolutely worth checking out Really great horror movie I think directed by Gregory Hoblite He also directed Primal Fear No one cares Yes Okay Fine (laughs) Primal Fear was good at the time I don't know if it's still Anyways, sorry That was Edward Norton's breakout performance 1996 Thank you Yes, no problem All right uh, so yeah, Rachel, we're going to send you those stickers. And uh, Melanie was second. So Melanie, um, we're going to we're gonna send you some stickers too because what the hell. If you want to pick up some Ghost Story Guys merch, go to our Threadless store. We've got shirts, cups, cr- a lot of different designs, some of which have been designed for us by our fans, which is yeah, really very super cool. The Threadless store is at ghoststoryguys.threadless.com. Nice. And if you buy something, make sure to send us a picture and we will send you a couple stickers as a thank you. Woo-hoo. If you want to pick up a copy of either of our books, mine is A Strange Little Place, The Hauntings and Unexplained Defense of One Small Town. Ian's is? Victoria's most haunted you can find those on amazon and uh if you're in victoria ian's book is literally everywhere <laughs> i was in Pharmasave the other day and it was
2: just on a rack right in front of me i cannot escape you i know and if you want to uh, go on a ghost walk, um, you can let me know, and I can tell you when I'm going to be working. I'd love to see you. Um, that starts up in May and picks up heavily in June, July, and August. Yes, absolutely.
1: And if you're in town, if you want to get a coffee, you know, you send us a message. If we can make it happen, we will. As a matter of fact, Alexa is coming back uh, to town, and we're gonna I'm going to grab a coffee with her in a few days. Uh, speaking of Alexa, uh, she sent us a message saying that she had sort of picked up some vibes about our building from that Yeah, yeah, plan. yeah, yeah. And she believed that the building was erected over top of some kind of elemental spirits home where it lives. Yeah. And so she said, instead of trying to smudge it away, we should try and open up to it. And so I did that. Um, I did that about a week ago. And I had a friend come in who is who knows who's good. I don't know if they're wicked. I don't know if I'd say that exactly. But they know how these things work. Yeah. They opened up a space where I could, where I could do that. I, I had I guess which is, As much of as you Conversations you can have With such a thing Yeah uh, And the building Has been a lot better since Way better it Just I mean it, There is still Definitely something here Yeah But it feels like We're in tune with it Rather than at odds against. guess Absolutely it, It's not frightening at all Yeah uh, And of course Fittingly Now that we've done that We have to leave This building <laughs> uh, we, I think we have Maybe two One and a half maybe, maybe two more episodes Left before we have To move the studio And if you know Of anywhere that has Free space In uh, Victoria In Victoria Yeah 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 uh, Let us know Because we are looking To relocate our Tiny mountain cabin Yeah And uh, it would be nice To have a new spot To set it up Yeah And I mean We don't mind
2: You know Setting it up And taking it down again
1: Yeah that's the thing Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. I mean the equipment is, is portable enough now Yeah That we can do that You know we're, we're even Willing to pay a few bucks But uh, we, we are going to need A new recording space uh, Not your spare room though <laughs> don't, don't I mean we appreciate it But no Don't do that no. don't, don't make it weird No Don't make it weird No Public. Relatively public, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Our musical guest on this episode was King Dude. The song is Silver Crucifix. You can find him online at kingdude.bandcamp.com or on Instagram at instagram.com slash kingdudemusic. Thanks, as always, to Music for our intro and outro music. You can find him online at soundcloud.com slash Music. And I think that's going to do it. Yeah. We'll be back in two weeks. And until then, into the darkness we go.
2: When I said, "Are you ready?"
1: Well, am I ready? Not. Is. We re- are we recording? You said, "Yeah." I am ready to start recording.
2: <laughs> I am ready to hit the record button. Yes. Yeah, you're saying.
1: <laughs> I do like Tennessee.
2: It's a pretty state. It is. Yeah. Don't do this one
1: first. It's depressing.
2: <laughs> and yet it's first. Yeah. In a world of cut and paste, you put that first. I'll give you a world of cut and paste. Yeah. Give you a world that heard you, mother. Oh, just line up. <laughs> yeah.
1: I got nothing I can threaten you with. This is brutal. I'm going to spin kick you in the
2: balls. That's what I'm going to do. I'm gonna turn down your fing microphone. <laughs> Death on the road. Like that raccoon I saw last week.
1: Oh, hey <laughs> Bow-tie twirls. <laughs> well, that's one time too many, brother. One time too many